0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering MyTrustmark online and mobile banking services to help monitor spending, pay bills, deposit checks, transfer money, and more. Anytime, anywhere. More information at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC.
2: From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talk. I'm Java Chapman in for Kevin Farrell, along with Dr. Nancy Lotrich anderson president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager in New Perspectives. Fun fact about Ryder, he is a chartered financial analyst and holds a certificate in investment performance measurement from the CFA Institute. Now, whether you're 25, 55, or 75, Hopefully you are dreaming of retirement, that one day where you can figuratively and maybe literally put your feet up on the beach somewhere. But today we've got some tips geared for the 25-year-old, but everyone is sure to get some uh, great information out of what we're going to be talking about this morning because we want to know if you are on fire for retirement. I'm talking fir E, a great little acronym we're going to break down in just a little bit so we're going to learn about that and also take your personal finance questions send us an email to money at mpbonline.org so good morning uh nancy and Ryder. how is everyone today good morning
3: good morning java happy to have you uh hosting us today
2: yeah so get ready for my uh one cryptocurrency question i always have to uh sneak in here because i I just don't get it and it's been in the news because it's been going crazy uh, you know it's, it's volatile in its description but it's been extra volatile but what um what have you um guys been seeing in the news we'll start with uh start with you nancy
0: Well, I do want to remind people, I think we have mentioned on the show before about the restaurant revitalization program and it is a grant program for restaurants who lost revenue during the pandemic, which is most of them, and that's based on the last stimulus package. But there's a new program that just started in the last couple of weeks, and it's called the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant Program. So for those people with theaters, concert halls, any kind of event places, you can go to the Small Business Administration, and they can help you apply for these. These are not loans. These are grants. So jump in and get some help.
2: Now, that is great news because I have been seeing, I guess this is uh, recent developments because I've been seeing um, bits and pieces in the news about music venues and things that were not um, uh, able to take advantage of some of the earlier um, stimulus packages out there. But this is, as you say, Nancy, uh, dedicated strictly for them, huh?
0: It is. And uh, I got to attend some music events over the weekend. We were all outside, but we all agreed that um, those arts are not just luxuries uh, for human beings. They are necessities. They are just
2: um, salve for the soul. That is correct. Ryder, what have you um, been seeing in the financial news lately?
3: Yeah, so uh, at the risk of sounding a little bit like a broken record, there was very interesting proposal, which, uh, you know, we've talked about house prices rising, we've talked about the shortages in building supplies leading to all of that. Um, there is a proposal, I was reading in the Wall Street Journal this morning, to provide federal funding, federal tax credits for rehabbing. Uh, homes that are in maybe maybe it's in an area that where it's not economically feasible to rehab just because the resale value wouldn't be high enough. But if you think about it, you know you can drive through most cities in America, n- not just cities, rural areas in America, suburbs in America. There are homes that are falling apart. There are homes, you know, they're falling apart, and not only that is it's not worth it for anyone to fix it up. Um, because, you know, they would have to spend too much to fix it up for the, for the value they would end up with. And so uh, the proposal is to provide federal money for that. Um, and this is great because whenever we talk about, you know, oh, house prices have risen a lot lately, you know, oh, they've risen a lot, are they going to come back down? Well, you know, one thing I look at is, they, to come back down, there need to be other houses for folks to move into. Like where are people going to go? And so this is one proposal that is actually increasing the supply of homes. Of course, uh, it's almost—the it, it, the number of houses they're proposing, they're saying go maybe half a million houses over 10 years, is actually a tiny, tiny drop in the bucket of kind of the housing supply that we need. Um, but it is an interesting— Proposal that would not only uh, bring houses to more folks, uh, increase the supply of houses, you know, so everybody benefits uh, when there's more houses, Uh, more folks uh, living, uh, you know, owning and living in their houses strengthens communities. Um, And so it's kind of good all around stuff. Um, I would just wish it were almost a little bit more ambitious. (laughs) Okay, okay.
2: But um, as a point of personal privilege, I do have to um, ask you about this Bitcoin thing. I see uh, on a popular (laughs) finance website, it says Bitcoin crash opens door to a tax loophole for investors. And I don't know if you guys have been keeping up, but popular cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum have shed more than half their value. In volatile trading over the past month or so, Um, I'd just like to get your your thoughts on that. Um, I mean, do things in the stock market lose like half their value in such a short amount of time, or is this just... Cryptocurrency doing what what crypto does. Yeah,
0: Well, um, cryptocurrency is by its nature very volatile, and that's why I say it doesn't really qualify as a currency. And uh, I think there are other folks who agree with that. Um, To qualify as a currency, it needs to be able to be used for transactions, which crypto, you can. You can buy things with it, so that fits um it should be a store of value you should be able to put your your earnings into it and go back and use it later, which you can. But the third thing, it needs to be a unit of account. It needs to um, represent some stable value. So when I go into the grocery store and I see the price uh, for a loaf of bread, I immediately know based on the dollars and cents whether that's expensive or cheap. And um, But when I travel to another country and I see euros or I see uh, pound sterling it doesn't always register with me because I'm not used to that currency, but it has any currency in order to be a unit of count, needs to have stability, and that's where cryptocurrencies really fall short. On the tax side, they're considered basically investable assets, the same as securities. So if it falls and you then sell it, get out of it, um, then you do have a capital loss at that point.
2: Oh wow. I saw a post on social media about this guy, um, on, on YouTube. He said, Please buy one dollar of Bitcoin and this was maybe like ten years ago. I think if I was Oh
0: wow. You yeah. know.
2: I, I, I still don't understand it. But if I would have bought $1, maybe I would have more than I um, have today.
0: <laughs> or oh, you might have crashed. Who knows?
2: Yeah, who knows? It's, it's cryptocurrency. That is what it does. But um, let's uh, talk about a um, more sound investment in strategy. Please don't invest your retirement into um, cryptocurrency because we have a philosophy uh, we're going to talk about today, which is FIGER. It's a trendy plan for retirement. And um, Ryder, can you, can you tell us what Fire stand? It's an acronym. F I R E. What what does that stand for?
3: Yes, uh, Fire stands for financial independence. Retire early. So, you know, the goal, I mean, again, most folks' retirement goal is financial independence. So, not depending on work, not depending on a job for your income. Um, and then, retire early, uh, just, uh, you know, pushing it early than the traditional uh, 62 to 70 year, year range. Um, and in a lot of cases, as we'll see, they're, they're just pushing. For pretty standard uh, financial advice to an extreme that not many people can probably accomplish, but it, it offers some interesting lessons for sure. So this is a retirement extreme. <laughs> it, it could, yeah, you could just do retirement extreme instead of retire <laughs> early because that 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 would be very good too.
2: And it comes from a a, a 1992 book. Now, I'm, I, do you have this in your collection of financial literature, Your Money or Your Life? <laughs>
3: I actually do. Uh, I think I knew I'm I've kind of a collector of personal finance books, even though I don't like read them all intensely, because I like to see, I like to see other folks approaches to their writing other, you know, and every, you, you know, you, you get a little nugget out of every one of them. And this particular book, um your money or your life it kind of sounds extreme uh and it is uh it, it's all about it's all about how um you know how you can not only be an aggressive saver uh, to to reach your kind of dollar retirement goals early but how you can then live on those live on the gains live on the growth live on the interest and dividends from that um, so so yeah that that's the idea
2: yeah we're getting ready to um, uh, go to our first break but before we do break i'm gonna um, list some of these uh, i guess bullet points um, and jump in anytime you want writer um, by saving up to 70% this is what fire financial independence retire early wants you to do. By saving up to 70% of annual income, uh, these FIRE proponents aim to retire early and live off small withdrawals from accumulated funds. Uh, The goal is to keep expenses extremely low, find ways to raise income, retire in your 40s to either do nothing or travel or be selective in their job. And... I kind of guess because if you're sacrificing in your 20s and 30s, you know— you can survive off a little Roman ramen noodles bef- you know <laughs> better than somebody in their forties and fifties. You should be able to retire early is this is basically what it's saying
3: <laughs> uh, that is kind of the idea and and one of the things with that bullet point as well when you said be selective with your job you know we talk about this a lot, kind of reimagining what does retirement mean you know the stereotypical you know poster retirement is just like you said at the top of the show, kicking your feet up on the beach. But increasingly, even for folks retiring at like a normal, you know, when their 60s or so, retirement means, you know, cutting back to just much fewer hours. You know, I was, I was working with um, a, a doctor recently who she is working, you know, five-hour days and, you know, full days, and it's kind of stressful, and she really does want to retire. But she knows that she loves keeping busy, and she knows that she she does love her work. And so she's also kind of preparing for, you know, maybe, Maybe after, you know, several months of just total rest and relaxation, just dipping back in with, you know, two days a week or something, Um, so reimagining what does that retirement look like for you, you know, dedicating your time to, to either a career or a volunteer life that you really do love.
2: Yeah, and I and I love that phrase reimagining retirement because a lot of times people think retirement uh, their lives are so tied into their work. So when they retire, they have the feeling of what is there um, for me to do. But it doesn't mean that you know your life is over. You can basically kind of. Do with what you do, what do with your life, what you want. If you want to spend more time with your family or start that dream business or that dream volunteer um, agency, uh, you will be able to do that if you follow the tenets of fire or, like I want to say, retirement extreme. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you have any questions for our experts, you can send an email to money at org. We're discussing financial independence retire early also with a few other money saving tips thrown in how much money would you have in 40 years if you invested six hundred dollars how much money would you have in 40 years if you invested six hundred dollars right now i'll let you know coming up next this is money talks on mpb think radio
1: Listening
2: to Money Talks, our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org. is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. Or you can um, see things like this lovely graph our producer Liz is going to post up, where she shows the math behind how to retire in 10 years using some of these principles from the FIRE philosophy. Or if you want to hear us uh, read about Uh, cryptocurrency from a blog post from Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson. You can go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org. I'm Java Chapman this morning, filling in for Kevin Farrell, along with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and writer Taft, portfolio manager in New Perspectives. Now, before the break, I asked a question, how much money would you have in 40 years if you invested $600? And let's say you average the 5% interest over that time. $600. You didn't add anything to it. 40 years, if you average 5% interest, you would have over $4,200. I mean, that's pretty simple. Now, w- For the person who needs to know what type of account to put this in, what would be the name of that uh, account, Nancy, if they wanted to put that $600 into a certain account um, and get that 5% entrance?
0: Well, if you go to the bank, you're not going to get 5%, especially right now. We are hearing uh, most people, if they can get half a percent on their savings account, they're thrilled. And many are in the, like, 0.1 to 0.15 range. No,
2: oh, where did this 5% interest come from? Yes.
0: Well, <laughs> there is a way to do that. And the way to do that is by investing longer term. And certainly, if you're just starting out as a young person and you're looking towards retirement, you have a long time. And that's the advantage. You can invest in something that has more risk to it because over the long haul, you will earn more. And because you do have a long period of time, you can um, survive through several business cycles. So you need more of a balanced account. In fact, with a a young person starting out with a first job, I usually encourage them to put it all of their 401k into a stock fund. And that's where we're going to get our best returns. And uh, it's not going to happen if you just go down to the bank. So you have to look at not only being disciplined with saving, but also being educated on the investment side so you can earn the most. You put those two together, and that's really the secret
2: to building wealth. Ah, so a little bit, a little bit more than your friendly neighborhood corner bank is what you need. Yes, to, absolutely. Okay, all right. See, that's the tip that we need right here on uh, Money Talks. <laughs> now, today we've been talking about the FIRE strategy for um, saving money. It's an acronym: F I R E, Financial Independence, Retire Early, and um. F- Nancy, I've been talking with Ryder, but how do you feel about this uh, strategy? Is it a, is it a good one? Is it a little bit too much? Uh, this this fire strategy for uh, retirement.
0: Well, I think for most people, it's not realistic. I have run into a few of those folks who have retired, one in particular um, that retired when she was about 30 and her husband was about 35, and um, they are now in their late 50s and still cruising on retirement. Um but I don't think that works for most people. Ryder mentioned about needing something productive to do or just reimagining your your work life. Um, but for most people, you need to find something in between. And the problem that we run into is a lot of folks don't even start thinking about retirement until they're in their 40s, and you're so far behind at that point. If you can really start with that first job out of school and begin to start saving, using your employer retirement plans, building your own savings, and the other thing is staying out of consumer debt. I'm okay with you having a mortgage or even a car loan so you can get to work as long as it's reasonable, but the credit card debt is what derails most people in their savings plans.
2: Yes, one of the uh bullet points that we have here for the fire philosophy uh you know instituting this when you're young is having low or no debt. And a large income. So to you, to your point, uh, Nancy, uh, a lot of people, this isn't realistic. But, um, Ryder, what— Wait,
0: wait, wait. I I need to jump in and say something, because you said having a large income. And I'm going to tell you, that's not necessarily the key. Okay. I run into people all the time with very modest incomes and large portfolios. Again, they've been disciplined they save reasonably, uh, they live well within their means, uh, they invest appropriately, and so you can do it with smaller income. So many times people just think, oh, I'm in a credit card ditch and I need to figure out how to earn more money. No, you just need to figure out how to spend less.
2: Now Ryder, what are some methods that this scheme uses that anyone could apply um, to their retirement preparation? (laughs)
3: Yeah. Uh, Sure. I think the one thing Nancy mentioned about starting early is super important. Um, You know, if you start with your first job out of college, and you know, when you hit just hit 30, you'll you'll probably have a decent nest egg saved up, and more importantly, you will already be in the habits that are going to make you uh, successful and financially independent in the future. Um, And so, I know you mentioned um, that there was some some math behind it, so it's a big part of the FIRE strategy is very aggressive savings. And you'll often hear us on shows saying, you know, if we recommend or, you know, a lot of literature points to saving 15 to 20 percent of your income uh, over a 35 to 40 year career. will set you up with a, a large enough retirement nest egg and you know, invested prudently, that'll set you up with a large enough retirement nest egg for you to live off of um, you know, for the rest of your life. And so if you just take this to an extreme, well, okay, if I'm saving 15% and that's going to be good for a 40-year career, what happens if I save 25, 30, 50% of my income? So uh, the way I like to think about it is just imagine a world, you know, pretty simple, world of no returns, I'm just saving up money. And if I save 10% of my income after 10 years, well, after nine years, I will have saved up enough money to live off for one more year. Because if you save 10% of your income, you're only living on 90%. So you only need, you know, for every dollar you earn, you only need to get up to 9 cents or 90 cents. So if you start cranking that up a little bit, say you save 25% of your income well then you're living off of 75% of your income and it's only going to take 3 years to reach that reach a one you know save up one years of expenses and so you know that's pretty pretty big change there but it gets more extreme once you're saving 50% of your income then every year you're saving up a whole year's worth of expenses and so you can see how that very quickly um, you know increasing the amount you save decreases your expenses and it lowers your overall target so it makes it so that you can save so much faster and so one of the numbers that we keep folks keep uh, kind of popping up with is uh, saving around 60 to 70 percent of their income. Um, at I think around 65% of your income, then if you do that, you're living off of 35% of your income. So you're living off roughly a third, saving two-thirds. And that's it. proof to generate that, you know, that 35 cents um, to live off of every year. So so it's that, it's that extreme savings, um, and I think the lesson for most people is that that's say, and dialing it up a little bit has a pretty big effect because it reduces your spending.
2: Yeah, that does seem a, um, a, a little a little extreme, and and I know a lot of people will really say, <laughs> "Well, how how can you like you know you <laughs> you ran off a prescription for saving um, uh, up to seventy uh, percent of your income?" But it's 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 hard to uh, do that when I, I mean I I can't say. I can't think of another phrase except for a large income. If you don't have a large income, uh, saving 70% of a little is, you know, that that 30% is is very small in comparison to someone who has a large income, that 30% is a a little bit more livable.
3: Absolutely, oh, and I mean, like Nancy said, it's it's not realistic for a lot of folks. But you know, just just the thought of you know cranking up just a little bit uh, can can have um, outsized impacts, especially when you're not you're not quite say, hitting your target yet.
2: Nancy, you want to jump in real quick?
0: Well, I'm just going to come back to you, you uh, Java. You keep talking about you need a large income, and I'm going to say no, you don't. Um, the other thing I would say about this program or even some other programs when people talk about the Dave Ramsey program and and you should pay cash for a car and this is how you should live for so many people that's not realistic and so sometimes when we put these programs out there what happens is people just say there's no way I can do that and they don't do anything and I'm more of the bent of let's get you just started let's try something. Let's see if we can build up a $1,000 in a savings account. Let's see if we can get you to 10% going into your 401k and work our way uh, up from there. And But give people reachable goals. And for most people, this is not reachable. The other thing that I always laugh about when somebody says, well, you know, look look at that person over there and how much they save and they have such a big portfolio. And for most of them, it's because they didn't have children. You know, so when you throw children into the mix and you have a family, a growing family, it is very difficult to save and prepare for the longer term when you're just trying to make it through the month. But I do think if you can start early, and that's the other thing that I always encourage my college students, that first job, you know, before you have that family, go ahead and save as much as you can because there's going to hit a point where now you do have the growing family. And even if you have to cut back on what's going in your 401k, what's already accumulated is still sitting there and through the magic of compound interest is growing for you. So it will
2: work in your favor. We're discussing saving for retirement, and I have another question for you. If you invested six hundred dollars, and we keep using that six hundred dollars phrase because sounds familiar, stimulus check, uh huh. If you invested six hundred dollars and left it for forty years at that magical five percent interest, but added twenty dollars a month, how much would you have? I have the answer for you. Coming up next, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. you already know, MPB Think Radio is a direct result of donations from listeners like you. But instead of counting the size of your donation in dollars, how about axles? Trucks to motorcycles, cars, even 18-wheelers, your donated vehicle of any size helps fund the programs here on Think Radio. For more information on how to donate your vehicle, visit mpbonline.org support. Money Talks is MPB Thinks Radios. MPB Think Radios Personal Finance Broadcast. I'm Java Chapman, along with Dr. Nancy Lodridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. And if you did not know, Ryder is a chartered financial analyst and holds a certificate in investment performance measurement from the CFA Institute. And I had a question for you. If you took $600 from, say, those very handy stimulus checks and you invested it for 40 years and if you somehow were able to average 5% interest and you added just $20 a month to that investment, you'd have over $33,000. It's forty years, starting off with six hundred, and you just put twenty dollars a month. Twenty dollars a month in your investment doesn't seem like a lot, but it would have paid off in dividends with thirty-three thousand dollars. Now let's go to the phones. We have some callers, and uh, we have David from Memphis on the phone. Good morning, David.
1: Hey, good morning. Uh, a very valuable lesson being taught this morning, and I. Nancy, uh, you know, you guys have really focused on this series on investing and educating people how critical it is to save. Now, I come from a generation that uh, I've uh, invested in a traditional pension benefit, a portable pension benefit. Plus, I've saved uh, vigorously in my 401K program to get the maximum match from my employer. And, and made sure the investments of that uh, little kitty in the 401K is invested in a you know, well-balanced fund, because uh, so I my age, I can't afford to lose it, uh, but it's still earning this, uh, a good income. So I want to go back to... Um, I think an issue with our current uh, uh, society, and I remember in high school, and a lot of my peers laughed at me for taking home economics. And that was one of the most valuable courses for me to learn the the critical necessity to save a lot and save it while you're young. You You just build that muscle memory of saving it doesn't matter how much it is keep putting it away and uh you know the return will take care of itself so thanks for what you guys are doing teaching everybody on the uh the critical uh necessity to save now thanks david
2: thank you david we appreciate that um appreciate that th- th- this morning um every once in a while um it is good to hear some uh positive reinforcement <laughs> what did you want you want to yeah. say something Ryder?
3: I love that um, David uh, said it reinforces the muscle memory and that just, you know, like we say all the time, you know, saving is a habit and you just have to be in the habit of doing that. You have, you know, so that's very, very good to call that muscle memory.
2: Well, hopefully we're building some uh, muscle memory over at my household. We have a, uh, a a big savings jar, and every time the kids um, find, like, a coin or something, um, we go over what it is, and then they put it in the jar, and it has, like, the digital counter so they see that oh 10 cents went into the jar and you know it shows what it's twenty-four sixty-five in there now uh, so hopefully we're building some uh, good muscle memory let's keep on with the phones and talk with uh alan uh in alabama good morning alan
4: good morning just reinforcement of what Java was saying if you were say 40 years ago and you started your deferred compensation and put $35 there every two weeks. And you stayed with that job long enough to put about $12,000 in it. This is starting at at zero. Then 40 years later, that $12,000 investment would be like five times or more uh, in value. And that is at the safest money market uh, amount of interest and income possible. And that's one thing. But then along the way, you stay in the retirement system that you've got. You put into your 401K at different jobs. So before it's over with, you have about five different uh, investments that are stable. Then at a certain point, you draw the retirement off the first couple. You never touch the other investments, principal, or Anything You leave it there to ride out. Now, you can move it around. Say once you recover from a big stock adjustment, you want to move it over safer because you don't want to lose it again like we did in 2008. But you keep your money in an investment. And the other thing is that a lot of people have a really hard time with is realizing you can't repetitively keep going to the store buying the same thing that you bought a couple of months ago because you've misplaced it, and spending. You've gotta be frugal, and when possible, you've got to get into some kind of a little hobby that you can do patiently, which will bring a little money in. But the biggest thing is save and don't just spend everything you've got just because you've got good credit. Because if you do that, and you make two trips to London a year, you're not going to have anything to retire when you're 65. You've loaded up your credit cards, and you're paying more on your credit card, than most people would pay on house. So it's some common-sense investments, and you can't have everything. If you're making $100,000 a year, and you're in three mystic societies, and then you're buying your hunting and fishing stuff, and then you've got a child in private school – it's, it's not going to be uh, hardly possible for you to have anything later in life. So you got to make some some hard decisions that you can't have everything that everyone else does. Uh, you got to be satisfied with what you already have and use some good common sense. So good common sense has kind of gone, gone out the door in this day and time. And I appreciate your uh Java, keeping all the different programs going, and the uh, good doctor with her advice. I wish that we could get some young people to take that advice thank you,
2: Java. Yes, sir. We we'll, we we'll, we'll appreciate those words, um, Alan. I really uh, appreciate how you said uh, keep it into a safe uh, a safe investment. Um, Nancy, I was going to ask that question uh, when we get these um, uh, savings accounts, and we're on a, I guess a good clip of saving money each and every month. What is the in plain terms, the safest, most concrete, um, I know you can go, you know, put it all in the stock market, stock market and and let it ride. Um, but what is the most safest, most concrete, um, form of investment, um, for someone who wants to, you know, I guess just go easy road (laughs) and and make sure my money is going to, uh, is going to grow.
0: Well, Java, you've said two things. You want safety and you want to make sure your money is going to grow. And I hear this all the time from people. They'll say, make me a million dollars and don't put anything at risk. Well, that's not going to be possible <laughs> unless I'm starting with 999000 Um, So you have to take some measured risk. We always encourage people to have some amount in a basic savings account. Now, in my business, the only thing that we can say is truly guaranteed would be treasuries. And if the the U.S. government goes under, we all go under. But those are the only things that we can say have a guaranteed return. But something down at the bank is going to be very safe. And that's a great place for your emergency fund, the place where you go to to keep yourself from pulling out that credit card. There's a car repair. There's a medical bill. Uh, the air conditioning at home goes out, that's where you can reach in very quickly and um, it's not at risk. But the problem is, if you leave everything there in something very, very safe, yeah, it's still going to be there. You won't lose the absolute dollars, but you are going to be losing purchasing power if you don't get growth beyond inflation. And we know that if you have a longer period of time investing in stocks in a reasonable way, in a diversified portfolio that's not just picking you know one thing and putting all your money on that one company – but a collection of companies and we've and, you know, I'm going to bet on U.S. companies every time and we've seen them grow. Um, And uh, Alan mentioned, oh, when you lost everything in 2008. No, we did not lose everything. The market cratered, and uh, March of 2009, we were at the bottom, and if you'd left your money there, by golly, we took off, and we haven't looked back since then. But um, those U.S. companies with growing earnings and growing dividends are great places to put your money. But, again, you need to make sure you have some money that's very safe, that you can get to quickly that's not at risk, and then you have longer-term money that matches your longer-term goals. And that's where it becomes really important that maybe you sit down with a professional financial advisor. And then you have an objective person giving you some guidance. Um, in my household, frankly, I just had that conversation with my grown daughter and son-in-law. You know, they were depending on me because I was free. But I'm her mother, and when I said you need to do something, it sounded like nagging. So I sent them to Ryder, and now they have somebody who can offer them suggestions, keep them accountable, and work with, and uh, mom stays out of it.
2: <laughs> well, sometimes mom needs to come in with that, that motherly wisdom and and uh, and guide the children in the way that they should go. <laughs> We're talking about saving early for retirement. No matter your income, it can be done. And I have one more question. Before, the, before we get out of here, if you invested $600 and left it for not 40 years, well, yes, for 40 years at 10% interest, wow, and added $20 a month, how much would you have? $600, 40 years at 10% interest, and you added those 20 bucks a month. How much would you have? I'll let you know after the break. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. south dining is the show all about the culture of southern flavor from fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our mpb public media app
0: this podcast is a local production of mississippi public broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you if you can please donate today at mpbonline.org
2: and thanks Found our show. So pleased, so happy, so elated you found our show Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman here with Dr. Nancy Lightridge Anderson and Ryder Taff, um, president of New Perspective and Portfolio Manager and New Perspectives. Respect. Uh, res- uh, I forgot how to say that. Uh, let's just go to these uh, emails uh, real quick because we do have a full bank of calls. We're going to try to squeeze everything in. But this is a very great email about what we have been talking about, uh, Nancy and Ryder. It re- I am planning to pay for my first two years of retirement by using my savings account, which has no income tax implications, along with cashing in saving bonds that I have matured. This will keep my income threshold below the minimum taxable federal level, and therefore I will not have to pay taxes on my bonds accrued interest. Does this sound feasible.
0: Yes, it does. And um, these are conversations we have with our clients all the time. As you retire, I always say the trick is to keep your cash flow high and your tax bill low. And so that's figuring out which accounts you can draw from, how you can draw, and you have to have a strategy as you move into retirement. And we are really looking at this closely because of change in tax laws and required minimum distributions out there at age 72 for many on the horizon. Um, It can be done.
3: All right. Well, let's... Oh, I do want to. I do want to throw in one thing there. Um, and and not paying taxes this year is always such a such an enticing proposition for folks. But um, and this is something we're doing. Uh, Nancy and I were going through a spreadsheet I made, and I she kept asking questions, and I said, "Yes, I can make this much more complex. Yes, I can keep making this more complex. It is very complex, but you don't want to." avoid paying a dollar in taxes this year if it's going to make you pay $2 next year. You, you can't just look at each day or each year when you're talking about a 30-year, 40-year retirement. And so a lot of times, you know, we do get caught up in, oh my gosh, yeah, I can do this this year and not pay any taxes this year. But if it, that means you're going to be in a higher bracket next year, you're not you're not really saving money. You're just you're just putting it off till tomorrow. And, and the IRS— the irs will come like they will come so uh so just be careful and make sure you know make it part of an overall plan look at all of your sources uh and and make sure you're doing it wisely for the total picture
2: well appreciate that um writer uh let's go to the phones and talk with jim in jackson good morning jim
1: good morning You spoke about treasuries, but would you speak about savings bonds, U.S. savings bonds, as a safe investment vehicle, uh, and they're also exempt from state income tax?
0: Um, Yes, and they are issued by the U.S. government, so I would call them very safe. Um, Typically, they will pay interest for 30 years. Um, Some people will start them when their children are young and save through an employer plan and forget about them. Uh, Bear in mind that after 30 years, they do not pay interest, so just be careful about that. Also, you have to watch and uh, see if you need to report on that accrued interest or if you're going to pay it all at one whack when you cash out. Thank you. Thanks
2: well thank you well thank you for your um your question uh, uh jim um now as we come up on the last few minutes of the show um try to uh, summarize uh fire uh for those who may have have just jumped into the conversation uh uh, Fire uh, acronym F I R E. Uh, I lost my paper.
3: <laughs> <laughs> financial independence, retire early, or Java as we decided at the top of this show. It is retirement extreme. extreme. <laughs> uh, it is extreme because it is it is it is taking good financial advice to an extreme, and that good financial advice is is save a lot of your money, don't spend much at all. And uh, invest prudently, um, but also one thing that we talked about—that's a really good kind of newer way of thinking about it—is rethink what retirement looks like to you. You know, maybe you have a, a high-paying job now. You're out of school. You're working. You know, aggressively. Uh, you're you're in a high-paying career, but you wanna you wanna save enough so that you can afford to not just quit working forever in 10 years, but you want to afford to be able to shift to a, a slower pace, maybe a lower paid, but more rewarding career. So those are the tenets. Save a lot of money, invest it prudently, um, and, and and hopefully be able to th- think differently about what, what financial independence means to you.
2: All right. Well, also, yeah, I forgot to give the answer... Um to the question where if you took $600 and I know Nancy's probably going to snark at this one um, because it took $600 in 40 years and if you average 10% interest Where can you get 10% interest if you can't get to five? And you added $20 a month market. Oh, the crazy stock market. (laughs) And you added $20 a month to your investment over 40 years, $600, 10% interest, $20 a month added. You would have over $133,000. And that, my friends, is the magic of compounding interest. It happens. And if you uh, go to the financial calculator from investor dot gov on the show notes for this podcast, you will see how. All of that is calculated. Nancy and Ryder, I want to thank you guys for uh, allowing me to jump in Kevin Farrell's seat um, once again and, uh, you know, not scoffing at my cryptocurrency question.
0: Okay, <laughs> thanks Java.
2: Yes, ma'am, and Ryder. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio and is funded in part by the generous financial support of our listeners. To hear today's show or previous shows, visit MoneyTalks dot mpbonline.org or listen to our podcast just search for Money Talks today's show was produced by Liz Gill and our call screener was the magnificent Michelle McAdoo for a writer tab from Java Chapman and Nancy Anderson Uh, join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio
1: Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering My Trustmark online and mobile banking services to help monitor spending, pay bills, deposit checks, transfer money, and more. Anytime, anywhere. More information at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.